0: Well, if you would turn your Bibles to Romans chapter 4 and verse 18, Romans 4 and verse 18, against all hope, Abraham in hope believed and so became. As we learned over the last few weeks, faith doesn't deny the circumstances. If you're new to us or new to faith, you might say, Austin, does, does faith mean that we deny the circumstances? And the answer is No. You know, there are, there are circumstances in this life. We live in a sinful, fallen world, and the enemy is at work, and you've got all kinds of things going on in this sinful, fallen world. So there can be circumstances. Faith doesn't deny the circumstances. Faith chooses to believe God in the midst of the circumstances and whatever you're facing or overcoming. Against all hope, Abraham in hope believed, and so became the father of many nations, just as it had been said to him, "So shall your offspring be." So we believe, and so we become, and that that happens over time. One of the early church fathers, in the second century, his name was Irenaeus. He was trained by Polycarp. Polycarp was mentored by the Apostle John himself, and so Irenaeus was a third-generation Christian with the heritage that traced back to the Apostle John himself. And one of the key things that Irenaeus taught is that we are in our walk with God and in living the Christian life, we are to become more like Christ, more like him. And that's what happens as we walk with the Lord and we live this Christian life. We believe and so we become. And it doesn't all happen overnight, but it happens over time. One of the key verses the last few weeks has been 2 Corinthians 5 and verse 7, for we walk by faith and not by sight. That's also in the Old Testament. We could say it this way, we walk by the word of God and not by sight, not by our circumstances. So faith in you and faith in your prayer life, it will conquer, it will overcome, it will prevail. Faith in you will have the victory. And faith in your own words, based on the word of God, faith in your own words will drive out the enemy and drive out sickness and disease and over time cause negative circumstances to change. And so when we say sickness or disease, depart from my body now in the name of Jesus, we demonstrate our confidence in the word of God and we demonstrate our confidence in the word in our mouth. So we command sickness to go, We command needs to be met. We command the answer to come. We command the circumstances to change. And in doing that, we demonstrate our confidence in the Word of God. We demonstrate our confidence in His Word, in our mouth. We also demonstrate our confidence in who we are in Christ. There are so many believers, and they have this perspective that we're just little worms trying to serve the Lord, hoping somebody doesn't step on us as we make our way from one destination to the other. But that, that's not who we are in Christ. And we're made in the image of God. And so once you begin to see that and believe that and think that way and live that way, it changes everything. And so we demonstrate by saying what the word says and letting it come out of our mouth, We demonstrate our confidence in God's word and our confidence in his word and our mouth. And what does our heavenly father confirm? He confirms his word. Mark 16 and verse 20 says, the Lord worked with them and confirmed his word by the signs that accompanied it. It'd be so awesome if he confirmed our opinions, but he doesn't. It'd be so awesome if he uh, confirmed our bright ideas, but he doesn't. It would be so awesome if the Lord confirmed our theories, but he doesn't. And when you're young in your 20s, think you know everything, it'd be great if the Lord confirmed that. He sure doesn't. And so He what he confirms is His word. And that's where we have to go to find the victory. And that's what we have to pray and speak and confess and be full of faith, not full of fear and worry. Fear is contrary to faith, and fear is rooted in unbelief. And when you fear acting on the Word of God, you're permitting unbelief to rule your life and your circumstances. So you just have to step out in faith, take action, do what the Word says, and put the consequences in the hands of God. But He he is good, and He will honor and He will confirm His Word. When believers fail to do what the Word says, they're allowing worry and unbelief to operate in their lives. Faith comes and faith grows as we take action on the Word of God. And so what we have to do is take action on the Word of God in every area of our lives. In your home, if you're married, in your marriage, you have children, your family, your parenting, your work, your career, your finances. Pastors mention that th- there are people and they want to know how faith works so they can believe God, but then they don't want to live an ethical life. And they don't want to conduct themselves and their business or career and what they do with ethics and righteousness. It's just not going to work. And God can't bless that. And so instead of having the attitude, oh, you know, bummer, there's something else in the word of God I need to do. Instead, we ought to have the attitude that every command is for our good. And if we'll do things God's way in any area of life, we'll get better results. And so instead of being bummed about something to do, we ought to be excited. We ought to be thrilled. We ought to be anticipate the harvest and the blessing and the good things that'll come from doing things God's way. And as you do things God's way, and as he confirms his word, well, then faith will grow in your heart and in your life. Why are there so many Christians and they don't experience the fruit of the word? Why are there so many believers and they live in lack or not enough? Well, they either don't know what the Word says, which is a possibility. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word. And there are many and they just don't know. Or they know and they refuse to obey. They refuse to take action on the Word of God. Pastor mentioned during the 9 a.m. offering Sunday that, you know, one of the major objections you run into with believers is that it's in the area of Finances. You know, oh, you believe in offerings, you believe in tithing, well, I'm going to find another church, I'm going to find another pastor. So, so they, they know what the Word of God says, and so their, their mission, their objective is to find someone who will tell them what they want to hear. I remember once some of the young men invited me to an event in Dallas, a place, and it's very popular with the young people, and uh, they tell the young people it's okay to drink and other things. And when the young people come, there's, there's food trucks and free food. And so I went to this event, heard someone speak, and then at the end, I heard an offering unlike any offering I've ever heard at Faith Christian Center. Because it basically went like this. Some people have the gift of generosity. And so if you have the gift of generosity, consider giving in this offering. And, you know, I, I looked around amongst a lot of people, and it didn't seem hardly anybody had the gift of generosity that night. But again, if someone came to me and said, Austin, you know, in this area of my life, I need help. Well, my my first question is, are are you doing what the word says? You know, are, are you putting God first? Are you practicing good stewardship? Whatever level you're at, are you looking for opportunities to be a blessing? Well, if you're not, you don't have any work of your hands for God to bless. So again, why do Christians do without? Well, they either don't know what the word says, which again, sometimes that's the reality. They just don't know. They haven't been taught or they haven't been shown in the word of God. You know, as we walk through the miracles of the New Testament, and a lot of them have to do with healing. You know, one of the things I've been emphasizing in the second service on Sundays is get your own Bible, read your own Bible, bring your own Bible to church, look at it, mark in it, highlight it, underline it, because there are things that you need to see in the Word of God for yourself. You know, Pastor can say it a thousand times. I can say it a thousand times. But when you see it with your own eyeballs, you underline it, you mark it, and you, you realize in your heart, wow, yes, it is God's will. Jesus said, I am willing. It changes everything. It changes everything. And that is so important. There are believers, and they, they simply don't do what Jesus said, do in Matthew 6, beginning in verse 19 do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy, where thieves break in and steal, but store up for yourselves treasures in heaven. I remember when I got to the age of driving then later Christina, my father told us many of the same things. I'd like to believe I caused my parents less stress driving than she did, I'm not sure. But I remember when we started driving and then we each had our own vehicle you know, he, he would coach us about things, you know, that if you're somewhere and somebody points a gun at you or threatens you and they, they, want, they want your car keys, let them have it. You know, people cannot be replaced, but things can be replaced. I've probably heard him say a thousand times, they're, they're making that new every day. And you might say, well, they're not making what they made in the 60s every day. And that is true, but something new is being made every day. So as Christians, we have to have a right perspective about things. Things can be replaced, amen. Amen. And this, everything here on planet Earth is temporary. Even here, what we see on planet Earth is going to get remodeled. We see that in Revelation. And so we're to be storing up treasure in heaven. And how do we store up treasure in heaven? Well, we just mentioned a few minutes ago, doing what the Word says in our finances We also store up treasure in heaven by being busy about what we're supposed to be busy about as believers, leading people to a saving knowledge of Jesus Christ, discipling people, being busy about the work of the kingdom of God. And we store up treasure in heaven. And when you have treasure stored up, you can make withdrawals. You can make withdrawals. You know, we bank at a particular bank. There's other banks we don't do any business with. And so if I went to a bank we don't do any business with and filled out a withdrawal slip, said, I'd like to withdraw $10,000, they'd say, you don't have an account here. And uh, there are some believers and their, their whole approach to the Christian life is throwing a Hail Mary like in football, wanting to make some great big withdrawal because there's an emergency, but they've never made any deposits. And we make those deposits by being doers of the word of God. Store up for yourselves treasures in heaven where moth and rust do not destroy, where thieves do not break in. still. For where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. You know, Pastor last Wednesday commented on one of the young people helping with worship and how enthusiastically he was worshiping the Lord. You know, when you go to youth or children's church or help in those areas and see the young people enthusiastically worship or when it's offering time, the young people or the children participate, us adults have no excuse because the young people in being enthusiastic and doing and obeying, they're demonstrating that their heart is in the kingdom of God. Now, we've been learning that in our prayer lives, Jesus has given us the authority to do his works here on the earth. He's seated at the right hand of the Father. And so we're the hands and feet of Jesus in this World. And we have his spirit, but his spirit works through us. Sometimes when we teach on prayer, and during the Holy Week revival, we've taught on prayer, mentioned an old quote by John Wesley, one of the preachers of the great first great awakening. And of course, George Whitfield was the preacher in America. John Wesley was the preacher in England. Methodism eventually came to America. But John Wesley once said that it seems as though God is limited by our prayer life, that he can do nothing unless we we ask him. And, you know, we get into some big theological issues, but it doesn't change the fact that we have great dominion, we have great authority in our, our sphere of influence, and we're to be the hands and feet of Jesus. You know, you look at the Lord's Prayer in Matthew 6, Jesus taught us to pray that the Father's will would be done on earth as it is in heaven, and so a thinking person would say, well, well, why do we need to pray that way if God's will is automatically done in everything, everywhere, at all times? So we have a part to play, and part of our part is, Father, I pray that your will would be done in this situation on earth as it is in heaven. And again, Sunday mornings, we've been learning that his will is health and healing. And so, Father, in this situation, I know your will is health and healing. So I pray that your will would be done on earth as it is in heaven. You know, but believers, some believers can be so funny. You know, we send out out an email this Sunday. We'll be dealing with healing. God wants you healed. And get an email back. I don't agree with that. And here's several paragraphs of why I don't agree with that. It's really amazing. But I notice in emails like that, and praise God, we don't get a bunch of them, and I just delete or block or goes to spam, amen. It's not the Bible says this, and the Bible says that, and the Bible says this. It's I think. And again, what does the Lord confirm? What does the Lord back up? In terms of what he does in our lives, he performs his word. You have to keep that in mind. We're to be busy doing the works of Jesus. John 14, beginning in verse 12, Jesus said, I tell you the truth, anyone who has faith in me will do what I have been doing. The book of Acts says that he went around doing good and healing all, that he was busy destroying the works of the devil. And that's what that's what we're to be about. You know, in the ninth grade New Testament class at St. Paul's, we're in 1 Corinthians now learning about the importance of our Christian witness, that that part of living the Christian life is living in such a way that our witness is exemplary and through that other people come to faith in Christ and that we not do anything or conduct ourselves in a way that would lead a new believer or a weaker brother or sister into sin. Our witness is so important and we're we're to be doing the works that Jesus did. He says he will do even greater things than these because I'm going to the Father. I think of Teal Osborne and the incredible crowds that Teal Osborne preached the gospel to and saw the numbers he saw come to faith in Christ and the healings and the miracles or somebody like Reinhard Bonnke. Jesus said we would do the works that he did even greater. And it's amazing how in the last few years how, you know, uh, something on the Internet can be mightily used of God. You know, it's not all bad on the Internet. Amen. A uh, few Sunday mornings ago, there was a family that visited, and they, they introduced themselves. And they had just moved to Texas from California, but they, they knew about us because the husband had searched for Fred Price, came across a video I had posted, and thought, well, who would post an old video of this preacher and then look me up and then did some Googling and found out about Faith Christian Center, and so they they came to church. You know, it's amazing. So God God can use all kinds of things. But in emphasizing that, we can't get away from the fact that Jesus said we would do the works he did even greater, which involves the miraculous. You know, sometimes we say, well, you know, you too. Well, when Jesus said this, he's talking about his works in terms of signs, wonders, and miracles. So we can't let ourselves off the hook. We shared a wonderful testimony Sunday of a young man in the church who when a friend let him know about a situation, he went and prayed in agreement and God did a great miracle. I mentioned during the second service Sunday that a man in the church last week had just shared with me how a coworker had a son who faced a very severe diagnosis. It would be horribly frightening for a young man. Hadn't even started life yet. Horrible, horrible diagnosis. Yet this man prayed with her, prayed with her son, gave them materials, faith-filled materials for him to listen to, and he's well today, and He sent me a link to a Facebook post. He's doing what he loves doing, which is baseball. Praise the Lord. Amen. We are to do the works that Jesus did even greater. And there are a couple quick examples in the book of Acts. And they're amazing what the Lord did. And there are not duplicate parallels in the Gospels. Acts chapter 5 gives us one example. Acts 5, beginning in verse 12. The apostles performed many miraculous signs and wonders among the people, all the believers used to meet together in Solomon's colonnade. No one else dared join them even though they were highly regarded by the people. Nevertheless, more and more men and women believed in the Lord and were added to their number. As a result, people brought the sick into the streets and laid them on beds and mats so that at least Peter's shadow might fall on some of them as he passed by. Well, this is just falls into the category of greater. and the Gospels, The woman with the issue of blood, she had heard, she believed, and so she reached out and touched the hem of Jesus' garment. The book of Acts, people obviously were doing this because they had heard reports of healings that if they could just get near Peter's shadow, they would be healed and made well by the power of God. There's another interesting example in Acts chapter 19, Acts 19, verse 11, God did extraordinary miracles through Paul. Well, that's greater. Extraordinary miracles through Paul so that even handkerchiefs and aprons that had touched him were taken to the sick and their illnesses were cured and the evil spirits left them. The the tangible presence of God, I have a hanky here, something that he had held carried off to someone in need but still saturated with the presence of God. Jesus said that we would do the works that he did even greater. So we can't let ourselves off the hook, amen? Amen. And again, we're not asking God to confirm us. We're asking him to confirm his word. We're asking him to confirm his son. Verse 13, and I will do whatever you ask in my name so that the son may bring glory to the father. You might say, well, Austin, the Lord hasn't done what I've, what i've asked well would it bring glory to the father or is it about you that i may bring glory to the father you may ask me for anything in my name and i will do it so it just seems so far out there and so far beyond us do we even believe verses like this but this is why god gave us joshua 1:8 this book of the law shall not depart from your mouth but you shall meditate in it day and night That you may observe to do according to all that is written in it, for then you will make your way prosperous, then you will have good success. The last three years, why, why did some people that were supposed to be full of faith head down the road of fear? I'm not talking about people that don't know anything about faith or healing or the power of God, full gospel people people that would say that they're they're a word of faith, faith people, why would they head down the road of fear like everybody else? It's all about what you're meditating on. It's all about what you're listening to. It's all about what you're reading. You know, and I remember all that. You know, now everyone wants to act like it didn't happen. Well, not everybody. Because you still see people, you know, by, by themselves in their car, by themselves, or you're at the grocery store and, you're going down the aisle and they're, they're looking at you like, wrong way, buddy. You know, the arrows are gone, but they, they still believe in the arrows. It's all about what you're listening to. It's all about what you're meditating on. Remember, you know, well, Jesus would wear a mask. No, he wouldn't. If he touched a leper, he wouldn't. So again, what are we listening to? What are we reading? What are we meditating upon? And again, I just mentioned the example of Paul, cloths being sent to those those in need. With God, all things are possible. With God, all things are possible. And, And we can't always do everything in person. And we can't always do everything ourselves. So even if all you can do is get on the phone and encourage someone or pray with someone on the phone, God can still work miracles that way. Amen. Amen. So we've just got to believe bigger and think bigger. Meditate on passages like John 14, 12 through 14 until they become a part of you. I tell you the truth, anyone who has faith in me will do what I have been doing. He will do even greater things than these because I'm going to the Father. You know, another factor is time. He ministered for about three and a half years. And even though, with the exception of John, all the apostles faced martyrdom, they all, and then another one that had a short ministry. I'm watching what I say for the sake of accuracy. Stephen's ministry wasn't very long. He wasn't an apostle. He was uh, the ministry of helps. But again, many of the men and women of God in the book of Acts, they, they had much longer in ministry than Jesus So another factor is time, but what are we doing with our time? Are we just busy doing our own thing, or are we also busy about those in need and busy about the work of the kingdom of God? And I'll do whatever you ask in my name so that the Son may bring glory to the Father. You may ask me anything in my name, and I will do it. So Jesus has given his authority to do his works, and this involves our prayer life. And there is great power in United faith. Matthew 18, verse 18, I tell you the truth, whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. And whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. The New Living Translation translates it this way, I tell you the truth, whatever you forbid, we could say don't allow on earth, it will be forbidden in heaven. Whatever you permit on earth will be permitted in heaven. And as an example This is one reason why for us as believers, the apostle Paul forbade a believer from from marrying an unbeliever to not be unequally yoked together. Once, and this is a long time ago, so sometimes I think people wonder when he he tells a story, you know, they're looking around, who's he talking about? This is a long time ago. No one here. Long time ago. Long time ago. A lady in the church, she just decided she had to be married. Had to be married, had to be married, had to be married. Well, she married a Muslim man who practiced Islam. Well, of course, some time goes by, she came to Pastor Sue, not happy, because her Muslim husband wanted her to be a Muslim wife and didn't want her to come to church. Where do you want her to go? To the mosque and to be a dutiful Muslim wife and dress like a Muslim wife. So basically, she came to Pastor Sue. Pastor Sue, I want you to tell me it's okay to divorce this guy. Well, again, what are the biblical grounds for that? See, that, that, that's a whole can of worms. Now, do people come to us before they do crazy things? Most of the time, no, because they know what we're going to say. They know what we're going to say. They know what we're going to say. Hey, Pastor Austin, do you think it's a good idea if I marry someone who practices Islam? no. Because the Bible says, do not be unequally yoked together. Well, that's the negative. Why not look at this in the positive? Your faith can produce great results, but your faith combined with another believer's like faith can produce even greater exponential results. There is power in agreement. There is power in united faith. Husbands, there's great power in just getting in agreement with your wife. All the ladies should have said amen. Amen. The sooner you just acknowledge she's right, life will be so wonderful and happy and blessed and peaceful. Amen. I'm teasing. There's power in agreement. There's power in united faith. So husbands, wives, you should see your spouse as your faith partner. To believe God together. To stand in faith and agreement and unity together to exhort and to encourage one another in the Lord. In our prayer lives, we're partners together with the Lord, and we stand with the Lord, and we stand together and against the circumstance of life, the works of the enemy, the storms of life, whatever it may be. And it would be wonderful if that were true in every Christian marriage, that the husband and wife be faith partners together, to take hold together with each other and against the circumstance or against the work of the enemy or whatever's going on. Romans 8 and verse 26, Paul writes, likewise the Spirit helpeth our infirmities. Another translation says weaknesses. You might say, Austin, I don't have any weaknesses. (laughs) You need to get saved. Austin, did you know that such and such politicians are b- a believer? Sure, that, that's why he's the most humble man that ever lived. Because my Bible says a whole lot about humility. See, we, we need to be people, get back to being people of the book and judging things by the book. So any of us in our lives, we have strengths. But if we're honest, there are also areas of weakness that that we're improving, that we're doing better, amen? Or that your loving husband or loving wife is pointing out you need to do better, right? Or you need to not eat that donut or whatever it is. So praise God for the Holy Spirit and praise God that he helpeth us in our weaknesses or our shortcomings or in, in a situation where you're a bit overwhelmed. You know, I was talking to someone after church Sunday, and I, I said, believer, we're all at a different place in our walk with the Lord. And on certain issues, our faith might be stronger. We might know more. Our faith might be stronger. And, and there are times where we need some encouragement. We need some exhortation. We need someone to stand in agreement with us. And that's okay. Likewise, the Spirit also helpeth our infirmities or weaknesses, for we know not what we should pray as we ought, but the Spirit itself, which could say himself, maketh intercession for us with groanings which cannot be uttered. This is why when we teach on praying in the Spirit, you know, there, there are times in life when the only way to pray, if you don't know how to pray, the only way to pray is to pray in the Spirit in tongues. That's the only way to pray. And there, there are times in life where, you know, you're, you're doing your best, but you know, you need help. That's when we, we throw ourselves upon the grace and the mercy of God. We say, Holy Spirit, help us. And we pray in the Spirit. And we do that along with them with groanings which cannot be uttered or expressed. Now, the word for helpeth is made up of three Greek words to take hold together with and against to take hold together with and against. So if, as an example, if I said, you know, after the service, we need to move this piano, which is very heavy. I'm sure someone could say they could do it by themselves, amen, but it's very heavy. If I said, you know, we need some help, and I said to the men, we need some help moving that piano after the service, I would say, would you help me take hold together with others against the weight of that piano? And I can't do it by myself. Probably two or three of us couldn't do it by ourselves. Now, if we're some burly guys, maybe two or three could do it. But again, with enough help, we could take hold together with and against the object that needs to be moved. And so this is what we do in our prayer lives. When we stand together with the Holy Spirit or when a husband stands together with a wife or a wife stands, against, stands together with her husband, we take hold together with each other against whatever the circumstance may be, against whatever the attack of the enemy may be, against whatever the problem or challenge may be. And one way we do that is by standing together in faith. And an example is the prayer of agreement. Very next verse, Matthew 18, 19. Again, I tell you that if two of you on earth agree about anything you ask for, it will be done for you by my Father in heaven. So we ought to be there for one another. And that... First begins in the home. You know, instead of discouraging each other, we ought to encourage one another. And we ought to encourage one another in our faith and what we're believing God for. And this is why on the flip side, you hear pastors say all the time, we're not the faith police. And so if someone comes to me and says, Brother Austin, be in agreement with me that a procedure or maintenance or whatever it is goes well, we get an agreement because there is power in agreement. There's not power, there's not faith power in guilt and condemnation. Well, brother, you know, the Lord can do greater than that. And you ought. There, there's no power in that. The power is in us taking hold together with the Lord against whatever the circumstance may be. In agreement, in faith together in agreement. Again, I tell you that if two on earth agree about anything you ask for, it will be done for you by my Father in heaven. For where two or three come together in my name, there am I with them. You know, in our home, there are seven of us. So the Lord's there all the time. I don't know what he thinks about, you know, all the time, but he's there. Amen. He's there during spanking time, nap time, every time he's there. Well, when you see life through that lens, it kind of changes things. But the positive is we're not alone. We're not on our own. And he helpeth us in our weaknesses and our shortcomings. I didn't come prepare with the passage, but a great passage in the Old Testament is when Israel was at war and they had the victory as long as Moses held up the staff. But hours went by. He couldn't do it alone. And he had to have men come help him keep his arms lifted so they could maintain the victory in battle. That's all right. We weren't meant to stand alone. We weren't meant to stand without the Lord. We were meant to stand with him. And if you're married, you were meant to stand together. And as brothers and sisters in Christ, we're meant to stand together. Jesus said in John's gospel, we would be known by our love for one another and by our unity with one another. For where two or, more, two or three come together in my name, there I am with them, taking hold together with the Lord against the storms and the circumstances of life. Another way we do this is by encouraging one another in the Lord. 1 Thessalonians 5 and verse 11. You know, sometimes people ask you about spiritual gifts. You know, and some people are really into the spiritual gift test. You know, well, Austin, have you seen my spiritual gift test? I'm teasing. You know, my, my, my gifting is singing. Please see Aaron Wood after the service. But I... I You know, it's sad, but I think some believers in the body of Christ, their their gifting is discouragement. Their gifting is the ministry of criticism. Except that ain't a ministry. That may be a gift, but it's not a gift from the Lord. So what did the Apostle Paul write? Therefore, encourage one another. Now, that's not Bible, but it's true, and we could find plenty of verses to back it up. But growing up, I learned, if you don't have something nice to say, Saying it all. Not everything needs to be said. Amen. And not everything needs to be repeated. Amen. You know, and in the example of healing and health, you know, there have been times where Jessica and I have taken a child for a checkup or whatnot, and something has been said, and we've just agreed together we're never going to repeat that. Amen. And Pastor and Pastor Sue don't even know about it. But what are we doing? We're taking hold together with the Lord against whatever is a circumstance or the negative report. So Paul writes, 1 Thessalonians 5, verse 11, therefore encourage one another. Now that's something every believer is to be doing. We're to be encouraging one another and build each other up. So build, not, not tearing each other down, building each other up. You hear my father say all the time that when people are new or when people first come to faith in Christ, he doesn't see what is, he sees what can be, what we can be in Christ. And that was true of Abraham. He he came out of Ur of the Chaldees, out of a pagan land. He he believed, and so he became. He believed, and so he became. And that's, that's true of us. We believe, and so we are becoming. And I mentioned Irenaeus, the Christian life. We believe, and so we are becoming more and more like Christ. And we're encouraging one another in that. And we're building each other up in that. My father has not done all that he has done solely with his own faith. My mother is his faith partner. It was his faith in agreement with my mother's faith. You know, some of the greatest blessings or miracles in Jessica and I in our lives are not because of me. It is because of her and her faith. And our our faith individually can do great things, but what about our faith working together? And what about our faith as a church working together? Or what about our faith as a church when there is a need, our faith working together? And remember, how does faith work? How does faith work? Now I'm starting to give everybody a quiz. How does faith work? Galatians 5 and verse 6, Paul tells us, faith works by love. These three remain, faith, hope, and love, but the greatest is? Love. And why is love the greatest? Love, agape love, the God kind of love, it is to be the motivator. So how does faith work? By love. How does faith work in a church family? By love. How does faith work in a marriage? By love. And so in a marriage, the husband and wife should be faith partners together, taking hold together with the Lord against the storm or the circumstance or the problem, whatever it is taking hold together with the Lord, with each other against the enemy or against the problem, the challenge, the circumstance. You may be mighty in faith alone, but you can be mightier in faith, united with another believer of like mind and like faith. And again, I know not everyone is married, but if you're married, husband and wife, standing in faith together, and then we're, we're a church family. And so we've been praying for the sick on Sunday mornings and some of the requests are for healing. Some of the requests are regarding wayward children, whatever the challenge is, but we are taking hold together with the Lord as a church family against the work of the enemy, whatever it is. And if it's stealing or killing or destroying, it's not the Lord, it is the enemy. And let me end with this. When someone tells you about something and you say that you'll, you'll pray, you'll make it a matter of prayer, be a man or woman of your word. Amen. Now for me personally, I have to write stuff down. And so sometimes I'll even tell an usher, you know, hand me my phone so I can add a note, I can write it down. Now maybe you never forget anything or maybe you got post-it notes everywhere. You've gotta do what works for you. But faith works by love. And so when someone comes to us at work or here when we're at church and tells us, say, would you pray? Would you make this a matter of prayer? Would you be in agreement? let's actually do it. Let's be serious about it. You know, I keep a note on my phone. I don't have it with me this evening, but the confession, you know, this confession booklet, I just have to tell y'all that they're available in the cafe. But the men who are here on Friday morning see mine. It's full of prayer requests or things that people have sent us, some here in the local church, but some from all over the world, things that they've asked us to pray about. And I keep those in my confession booklet, and I go through those every Friday morning until I feel a release from the Lord to set one aside. And again, faith works by by love. And you know, I'm thinking of one, a lady sent one in, that's, believe, from Switzerland, a wayward daughter believe in God, that she would break out of that sinful lifestyle, that she would come back to the Lord. You know, I've never met her in person. Won't see that lady until we're in heaven someday. But she she took the time to send an email and because of love, we're gonna take the time to pray. We're gonna take the time to take hold together with, against the storm, the circumstance, the problem that she might be facing. And again, walking in love, where does our love walk begin? Where does the Christian love walk begin? It begins in the home.